different psalms. Uh, we've been kind of all over the place, and tonight we're going to be in Psalm chapter number 15, and uh, we're going to look at David's Sermon on the Mount, all right? So uh, Psalm 15, if you want to take your Bible and turn over there, and I'm going to ask Seth, my son Seth, to come and uh, read this passage of Scripture to us. We're going to read all five verses of Psalm 15 tonight. All right, Psalm 15. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is contempt. But he honoreth them that fear the Lord, he that sweareth to his own hurt. He changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray that you would help us to have a good rest of the day. Thank you for the safety that you have provided us um, already this week. I pray that ultimately you would be magnified and glorified today and the rest of the service. I pray that you would give pastor the words to say and that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, we come to Psalm 15, and Psalm 15 is another one of the psalms that David was the human author of. And uh, the title of the message tonight, as I mentioned, is David's Sermon on the Mount. Um, if you compare Psalm 15 with the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached in the book of Matthew, Matthew's chapter, uh, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, and there is a lot of parallel uh, aspects to what we're going to look at tonight and what Jesus taught, and it could be that Jesus was thinking of Psalm 15 as he was preaching that sermon now, as we go down through this particular psalm, at first glance, it's going to appear as if uh, this is basically giving us a uh, checklist for people who want to go to heaven. This is how you get to heaven. At first glance, it appears that way. Because it says, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? And of course, those are references to spending eternity with God. And then it goes down through and it gives some different things here. Verse 2, He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. And it goes on down and it says, uh, basically at the end of it, it says, He that doeth these things shall never be moved. So it would give one person an idea that in order to get to heaven, you have to match up with these things. You have to check off these things in your life. Well, when you compare that with other scripture, uh, the overwhelming emphasis of Scripture teaches that you must be born again, uh, a relationship with Jesus Christ, um, Him coming in and, and giving us His righteousness is what it takes for a person to get to heaven. And so really what this uh, chapter is all about, and really what Jesus was teaching even in His Sermon on the Mount, was that those who already are on their way to heaven, those who have been redeemed, those who do have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, this is how a citizen of heaven should act, should live. And so that's what uh, Psalm 15 is all about. 
And so how should uh, a citizen of heaven live? What should be some of the marks of a citizen of heaven? Uh, a child of God, how should we live? And, and, and that's what Psalm 15 uh, really is. It's David's Sermon on the Mount. Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? Well, and he gives us some uh, really four keys to stability in our own Christian life and uh, something we should all be striving for in our Christian life. All right, what are they? Uh, well, number one, have the right walk. Have the right walk. Verse number two, uh, someone who is dwelling in the holy hill, someone who is abiding in uh, God's tabernacle, should be one that is walking uprightly, having the right walk. This is someone who walks right before God and before men. To someone who is living a life of integrity, that is, their life is a, uh, is a testimony of the Lord's working in their life, and they're doing what's right. Now, upright has a, has a uh, the word upright really kind of means perfect. And again, not, not perfect like you never make a mistake, because nobody in this Nobody who's watching, including the person that's looking at the camera, can say that they are completely perfect in the way that they've walked throughout their life. Absolutely not. Uh, but this is to be uh, something we're striving for, uh, a life of uprightness. Think of Micah chapter 6 and verse number 8, where it says, He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God. So how are you walking? Do you have the right walk? When somebody watches your life, oh, you can have the right talk, but what we're asking tonight is if you have the right walk, because you remember, and it's been said, and I've said it multiple times here, your talk talks and your walk talks. But I'm telling you, your walk talks much louder than your talk talks. And so we better make sure that our walk, our lifestyle, is pleasing to the Lord, is upright, is, is something that pleases the Lord, is something that is a good testimony to our neighbor. Uh, he, so he says, first of all, uh, if you're going to uh, be a citizen of heaven, and, and, uh, and, and I hope that you are, I hope that you already are a citizen of heaven through Christ. You can't be a citizen of heaven any other way, by the way. You can't be a citizen of heaven by doing certain things. No, you have to simply have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Believe on Him, and thou shalt be saved. But those of us who have, are we walking uprightly? The first mark of a citizen of heaven is that he has the right walk. But then, secondly, we see here in verse number 2, not only does he have the right walk, but he also have, has the right works. Verse number two, again, he that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness. This is the man who is, these are the things that he does. These are the things, these are the actions that he does. These are the works that he does. And the things that he does are right and righteous before God. As God looks at his life and sees the things that he does, these are things that are right in God's eyes. Psalm 4 and verse number 5 says this, Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness. You know, many times when we do right, it is indeed a sacrifice. 
because you know if I do right here, what's going to happen? What is going to be the fallout if I do what's right? Sometimes it is indeed a sacrifice to do what's right, but I'm telling you it's always worth that sacrifice to do what's right. I would encourage all of us to do right no matter what people think or how they might respond. That was one of the things that I talked about on Sunday night as we looked at the life of Joseph and he was faithful to bring the evil report of his brothers back to his father. Joseph was willing to do what was right even if it meant him being hated more. And uh, he probably knew, if I go tell on my brothers, they're going to get mad at me and call me a rat and call me a tattletale, but I know it's the right thing to do to go to dad and tell him what's going on. See, Joseph didn't, didn't care too much about what people thought. Uh, he wanted to make sure he was doing right. And I want to encourage all of us as citizens of heaven to make sure that we do right before God. Because guess what? You're going to have to answer to him for your life, for your works. Matthew 5 and verse number 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and then glorify your Father which is in heaven. So how are your works? Are they right works? Are they works of righteousness? Are you working righteousness? That's one of the marks of a citizen of heaven. Do you carry that mark in your life? Are you making sure that you're walking right and doing right works? I hope the answer is yes. So one of the marks of, uh, what are the marks of a citizen of heaven? Well, someone who is uh, walking right and doing right works. But then thirdly here, having the right words. Having the right words. You're saying, wow, we're moving through this pretty quick. Well, I do want to kind of warn you, this point here is a little more lengthy. Uh, because David here, as he writes, spends a little more time talking about the words that come out of our mouths. Uh, let's pick it up here in verse 2. Uh, he that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness. And then here starts the words. And speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach, against his neighbor in whose eyes a, a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord, he that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. So a citizen of heaven has the right words. Well, can I ask you, friend, do you have the right words? What are, what are the words coming out of your mouth? I guess before we even get to the words that come out of our mouth, let's talk first about our, the secret words. The secret words. Verse number uh, two, it says this. He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. These are the words that no one sees. These are the words that no one hears. And these are the words that may never come out of your mouth. But they're the words that you're thinking about saying, but thinking, I probably shouldn't say that. Now, I want to say, good, I'm glad you're not saying them. But here, David said, speaketh the truth in his heart. We need to make sure that the words that we're thinking in our heart are truth. We need to make sure that, uh, that our inside is correct, that our inside is right. 
Yes, we do need to make sure that the words that exit our lips are correct, and we'll get to that in a moment, but, but the words in our own heart, and really this is talking about uh, the, the, the idea that God cares not just about what we do, but he cares about who we are on the inside. Uh, one commentator talked about, this is as if when you go up to someone who you don't like, who you have maybe a grudge against, and, 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 and maybe they hurt you, and you're struggling with bitterness in your heart toward them, and you see them, and you act all plasticky with them. Hi, how are you? You shake their hand. I mean, not shake your elbow, bump them, you know, and, and you do all of these things and you're saying all these niceties, but inside you're like, you rat. Can't believe you did that. Why wouldn't you apologize? You were wrong. And you're thinking all of these things in your heart, but what comes out of your mouth is, hi, how are you? I hope you're doing well. And it's such a plastic, fake, fake news smile. This is someone who uh, has the right words is making sure that their secret words are, are true as well. The words in their heart, making sure that who they are on the inside is correct and matching the words that come out of their mouth. By the way, the, it's interesting to note that the word truth here in Psalm 15 is the first time the word truth is mentioned in the book of Psalms. And it has to do with who we are on the inside. And so again, God does care about the exterior of our lives, but far more importantly, He cares about the condition of our hearts. And so having the right words means, first of all, having the right secret words, the words that are in our heart and speaking the truth in our heart. How are you on the inside? That's what God cares about most. Yes, man looks on the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. How is your heart when you talk to someone? Oh, hi, how are you? But inside, it's yucky. Let's get the yuckiness out so that when you're actually talking to somebody, you can mean it from the heart. Secret words. But then he talks about spoken words in verses 3 and 4. Spoken words. In verse number 3, He that backbiteth not with his tongue. And these spoken words, first of all, need to be restrained. They need to be restrained. He that backbiteth not with his tongue. Look, you don't have to say everything on your mind. As I mentioned, if, if what's in your heart isn't right, you need to get that right first. You need to have the truth inside that is pleasing to God. And once it is, then you can speak. But, but until then, it's okay to restrain. He that backbiteth not with his tongue. This is a person who says, I'm going to restrain and limit what I say. Many times it is a good and godly thing to simply bite your tongue and not say anything. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse number 2, and listen carefully to this verse. He said, Be not rash with thy mouth. Let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. For God is in heaven and thou upon earth. Therefore, let thy words be 
few. It's okay to take time before you speak. It's, it's a good idea to do that instead of just being and just blurting everything out. Be not rash with thy mouth, and let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. Let thy words be few. Because God's in heaven and he hears it all. During World War II, the United States government became very concerned that a number of German spies were operating in America. And they were sending information back to Germany regarding Allied war plans and specific troop and ship movements. Well, to keep them from impacting the war effort, the Office of War Information launched a national campaign around the slogan, Loose Lips Sink Ships. Loose Lips Sink Ships. It's a little bit of a tongue twister. But Loose Lips Sink Ships. It was a solemn warning to the people not to repeat information that might be damaging or even deadly if it fell into the wrong hands. And the idea was there, if, you, if, if your lo- lips are loose, you're going to unleash information that might negatively impact our war efforts and might sink some ships and thereby killing some of our troops. It's a deadly thing to uh, have loose lips. In the same way, the Word of God warns us of the dangers of loose lips or backbiting or a common word that most of us know, gossip. Repeating stories has a way of dividing the body of Christ. Gossip is even able to separate the closest of friends. One of the seven sins on the list of particular abominations to God is that he that soweth discord among the brethren. God hates that. It's an abomination. Backbiting, by the way, is among the list of sins in Romans chapter number 1 that God gives people over to after they refuse to repent, after they fuse, refuse to get up today. I noticed that backbiting was right next to the phrase, haters of God. Do you really want to be right next to, the Bible says, a hater of God is? Every time we gossip, every time we use our lips to backbite, what we're doing is we're right next to the hater of God. came across this poem regarding gossip, and I thought it was appropriate, and so I'd like to share it with you tonight. In the course of your conversation each and every day, think twice. Try to be careful of what you have to say. Your remarks may be picked up by someone's listening ear. You may be surprised at what some people think they hear. Things that you innocently say or try to portray can be changed and greatly exaggerated along the way. Many stories change for the worse as they are retold, so try to keep any questionable remarks on hold. May I give you all some very sound advice? When you speak of others, say something nice. Try to say good things regardless of who is around. If you have nothing good to say, then don't utter a sound. You may find that an innocent remark in the end may lose you a close and valued friend. I would say amen to that. And boy, this was a convicting thought for even me. 
I need to make sure that I restrain my lips and make sure that what comes out of my mouth is pleasing to the Lord and is not considered backbiting in any way, shape, or form. So we need to be restrained with our spoken word. We also need to be righteous with our spoken word. Verse number three says, He that backbiteth not with his tongue, and then here it is, doeth nor doeth evil to his neighbor. Nor doeth evil to his neighbor. Uh, we need to be righteous, and the things that come out of our mouth need to be righteous before God. We should not be talking evil things with our neighbor or to our neighbor. Now, as I was studying what this means, the word evil is uh, the, the Greek equivalent of the Old Testament word here is the word porneia, which we get the word pornography from. It's a very vile thing. It's a very wicked thing. And he's saying, look, don't use your tongue to speak pornography to your neighbor. In other words, don't be using your tongue to be talking filthy, dirty, vile things to your neighbor. Look, the citizen of heaven should have nothing come out of the mouth that would be considered evil. Paul said to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31, he said, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And instead, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So we need to make sure that we're putting away evil speaking from our lives as citizens of heaven and making sure that what comes out of our mouth is good. It's pleasing. It's, it's edifying to the believer. Our talk and our speech needs to be with restraint. And it also needs to be righteous. But thirdly here, it also needs to be respectful. Verse number three, He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, and here, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. If you're always trying to look for ways to tear down a brother or sister in Christ, to make yourself look better. Uh, that is not an activity of a child of God. And that's what David's saying here is, look, uh, don't take up a reproach against a neighbor. Don't, don't speak things that would bring and tear people down. It might very well be true, but it's not your place to share it with the world. It's not your place to go and tell everybody about it. Refuse to speak bad about someone else. Please don't tear anyone down. God gave us a tongue not to tear people down, but to build them up. James chapter 3 and verse number 9. James reminded us, and of course, James chapter 3 is a very powerful passage of Scripture when it comes to the tongue. And this little member right here can do some great damage. James chapter 3, verse number 9 says, Therewith bless we God. Aren't we good at doing that when we're at church? You know, praise the Lord. Oh, things are going good. God is good. Therewith bless we God, even the Father. And he says, And therewith curse we men. With that same tongue, 
We use it to bless God and we use it to pray and we use it to preach and we use it to talk about the goodness of God. But then we also use that same tongue to curse men, which are made, by the way, James said, which are made after the similitude of God. So when you speak of a brother in a negative way or a sister in a negative way, you're speaking about someone who God created. You're speaking about someone who is made in the similitude of God. And James said in verse 10, out of the same mouth proceeded, proceedeth blessing and cursing. And then he says, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. We should not use our tongues for blessing or cursing. We should take out the cursing part and just use it to bless God and to even bless others as well. Our tongues and our spoken words should be used in a respectful manner. And then they also, fourthly, should be used in a reliable manner. In verse number four, it says, In whose eyes a vile person is contemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. And uh, this kind of has to do with the respectful there, to honor those who are fearing the Lord and, and, and all that. But then the last part of verse number four is what I want to focus here on. And it says this, He that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth not. This is somebody who promises to do something, even if it's going to hurt him when he gets to that point where, oh man, I said I was going to do this and it's going to hurt me, but I'm going to be a man of my word and I'm going to do it anyway. This is someone who has a reliable spoken word. When they say something, they mean it. So I want to encourage all of us to be honest and to keep your word. James 5 and verse number 12 says it this way. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea and your nay, nay, lest you fall into condemnation. So when you say you're going to do something, do it. When you say you're not going to do something, then don't do it. Be a person of your word, where your word is your bond. This is a characteristic, a mark of a citizen of heaven. Having the right spoken word. I'll just kind of sum up the having the right words with this verse, Psalm 19 and verse number 14, where the Bible says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. So basically, Lord, what's going on in my heart? This is the secret words. And the words that come out of my mouth, the words of my mouth, these are the spoken words. Let all of them be acceptable in your, uh, in your sight, Lord. I want you to be okay with it. I want you to approve everything that I'm thinking I want you to approve everything that comes out of my mouth. I want you to be okay with it. And by the way, can I just remind all of us tonight that the Lord is hearing everything that comes out of our mouths. He is sensing and knowing what's, what we're thinking in our hearts. He knows it. We can't hide it from Him. You can hide it from me. You might be able to uh, talk about me behind my back and I'll never know what you say. You might be thinking something in your heart about me, and I'll never know what you're thinking, but God knows it all. 
And I want to encourage all of us to make sure that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart is acceptable in the Lord's sight because he is privy to all of it. So what are the marks of a citizen of heaven? Well, they have the right they have the right walk. They're walking in the ways of the Lord and they're walking in an upright manner. And then they're what what they also have the right works and they're working the right works and the works are righteous. Their works are things that are right before God and before others. Then they have the right words and then lastly they have the right ways. Verse number 5. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that putteth out uh, not out his money to usury. This is lending money with an unreasonable interest rate. You know, hey, I'll loan you some money, but my interest rate's going to be through the roof um, because I'm greedy. Uh, he said, don't do that. In other words, do not take advantage of people and do not also take bribes. That's the next part here. Nor taketh reward against the innocent. This is for those who have authority and uh, when they're faced with some type of issue and uh, they have to choose between innocent and guilty. If someone says, oh, they're, they're, they're really guilty, but honestly, the truth is they're innocent and they try to give you some money to make you say they're guilty, don't do that. Don't take bribes. Um, so be fair and within reason when it comes to loaning money. Although when it comes to loaning money to someone, I would warn you and uh, warn everyone to be very careful about loaning money to people. Um, when you do uh, loan, if you do choose to loan people money, I would advise you to uh, not loan it, but to give it as a gift. Or to maybe loan it and say, you can pay me back, no interest. But then in your own mind, just know, hey, maybe I just gave it to them and don't expect it back. Because money has ruined too many friendships. And uh, don't let it ruin any of your friendships. But to have the right ways and to be careful. This was a big deal back in those days. And and it can be a big deal in our day too. Um, I don't see it happen as much. But uh, for those who it does happen to, I have seen some good friendships ruined because of financial agreements and uh, greed. And so make sure that you don't uh, go that direction. So these are the qualities of a person who will abide in his tabernacle, someone who will dwell in his holy hill, a person who has the right walk, a person who has the right works, a person who has the right words, a person who has the right ways. Okay, so what's the promise? For this type of person. Verse number five, the last, last few words here, it says, He that doeth these things shall never be moved. So these are the people who uh, are not moved. These people are the ones who take seriously these qualities. Have you ever played uh, King of the Hill as a kid? I know I have. Um, and in fact, it wasn't so long ago that I played this. You see, several months ago, my family and I attended a birthday party at Urban Air here in Moore. Urban Air, for those who don't know, is a trampoline park that recently opened within the last year. And uh, we were invited to uh, go to a birthday party here at uh, Urban Air. 
And uh, I was excited to be able to bounce around a little bit. I've been to a trampoline park before, and I thought it was going to be a fun time. Well, after trying most of the parts of the park, I realized how out of shape I am and was completely out of breath when I began to jump on these different trampolines. I could jump around for about 30 seconds, and I was winded. <laughs> you know, I needed my walker already. Well, uh, there was uh, one of the parts of the park, they had this little balance beam. And they would give you these large cushioned jousting sticks. And uh, they would, you know, you could go on there against somebody and, and try to, you know, knock them off this beam. And uh, if you did, then you would uh, fall into a big foam of pit. And so I watched a few kids do this for a couple minutes. And then I looked at it and I was like, you know what? I'm going in. My kids were off doing something else. It was just me and some random kids there at Urban Air. And I decided to take them on. And uh, it was awesome. I knocked one kid down, and then I knocked another one down, and another. And uh, before long, I was the king of the hill. I was the king of this beam. And here is this 40-something-year-old pastor knocking a bunch of kids down into a foam pit. Yes, that was me. That is who your pastor is. <laughs> and I thought it was great. Um, now, I know I should be picking on people my own size, but it, it was great to feel like the king of the hill, you know? And uh, finally, one of them in the, in the foam pit reached up and grabbed my ankles and like tried to get me off balance and finally knocked me over into the foam pit. Uh, but for a while there, I was the king of the hill. And, uh, and the, the kids seemed to have fun trying to get that big, big bald kid to fall off that, uh, that beam. And so, yes, I was that big, bald kid there that day. Now, what do I, what do I bring that up? Well, for those, uh, God will make it so, if, if you're going to follow some of these things here, if you're going to follow the characteristics, the qualities of a citizen of heaven, someone who has the right walk, someone who has the right work, someone who has the right words, and someone who has the right ways, then God's going to make it so that you will become, you will be secure in this life and in the one to come. Psalm 23 and verse 6, stay with me, I'll explain what I mean by that. Psalm 23 and verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And then the last few words of that precious psalm, Psalm 23 says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, how can I be secure? How can I shall never be moved? Is it because I work so hard and I'm such a great person? Is that how? Well, the truth is, if, if all of us are honest, we all fall short of all the things we talked about this evening. When it comes to walking perfectly and upright, uh, that's something we should be striving for, but I guarantee none of us have arrived in that department. What about doing works that are righteous all the time? No, I don't think any one of us can say we've done that. What about having the right words? Oh, I wish I, wish I had the right words all the time, but I sadly have not. Uh, what about my ways? Have they been always right? No, I wish they were. Okay, well, it must have been David then. David must have been perfect in that. Well, if you know anything about the life of David, uh, yes, he's mainly well known for defeating Goliath and maybe being the king of Israel and maybe being the sweet psalmist of Israel as well, but 
he also has a pretty checkered past. He also has some pretty serious skeletons in the closet. I mean, committing adultery with Bathsheba, and that leading to tremendous lying and deceit, which ultimately led to the murder of Uriah. No, it wasn't David that lived perfect either. In order to find such a man that lived perfect, perfectly according to Psalm 15, we have to go all the way to the New Testament, all the way to Bethlehem, all the way to a manger born to a virgin named Mary, and his name was Jesus. See, Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life, and as you go down through this list, you'll see someone who completely and totally and perfectly lived Psalm 15. Someone who had indeed the right walk. Someone who indeed had the right works. Someone who always had the right words and always had the right ways. We need to go all the way to the New Testament to find Jesus Christ. And he was completely and totally righteous. And then the moment that you and I believe on him for our salvation, his perfect righteousness actually gets placed on our account. You and I have Jesus' righteousness on us. That's why we can never be moved. That's why God will make us secure in this life and in the life to come. Not because of our own righteousness, no, but because of Jesus' righteousness, because he completely fulfilled Psalm 15. Now, you and I, we're given a standard to try to meet. But I'll tell you what, none of us will meet that perfectly. But as a citizen of heaven, not, because, not in order to get my, on my way to heaven, but because I am on my way to heaven, but because I am a citizen of heaven, I should desire to have the right walk. I should desire to have the right works. I should desire to have the right words and the right ways. And I hope that you'll desire that too. And uh, as a citizen of heaven, we can be sure that he that doeth these things shall never be moved. We can have security in Christ because of what Christ has already done for us, because of his perfection, because of his perfect righteousness. We can be secure. We can have the confidence that we'll never be moved. And my salvation's not up to me, it's up to him. And uh, he did everything necessary for me to have a relationship with him, and I'm so thankful for that. Well, the Sermon on the Mount, David's Sermon on the Mount, very similar to the one that you read about in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. A marks of a citizen of heaven. I hope that you'll decide tonight to apply these truths to each of your lives. Let's pray together tonight. Lord, thank you.